All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Playing the Field. Um, we have not gotten to you guys for, I think, two weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to do an, uh, an episode every other week while I have no other members of the of the crew with me, but I'm going to try to keep putting out content if I can. Um, I also just felt like the news hasn't, there hasn't been tons and tons going on, but now we do. Uh, we have the NBA season starting. We have the playoff kind of pinch going on. Uh, for the NFL, so we have definitely enough information to do uh, this podcast today. As of a lot of fantasy updates um, that I need to give, and the hugest fantasy update of all is that I have lost. I have lost my fantasy football playoff run. I was the prior two-time defending champion of our trophy that we call the CIRM, and I made it to the finals this year, and I have lost by three points to my friend Johnny Hudson, who I congratulate uh, for the um, you know the, the tough matchup, the tough team he had. In the end, I just uh, I couldn't get over the hump. Austin Eckler just totally against the Raiders defense. I was expecting a massive game. It didn't happen. The Rams against the Jets, I thought was a slam dunk. Completely wasn't. The Rams lost that game, which I, I don't understand how that happened. Um, <laughs> James Robinson only did okay. The game script in that game was terrible. Nick Chubb only did okay. Um, and the crucial mistake that I made was I decided to play Deshaun Watson over Ryan Tannehill. And honestly, if Kiki QT had scored that touchdown instead of fumbling into the back of the end zone and losing the game in an emphatic way, uh, I probably would have won. I lost by three points, so that would have been the six to make it up. But again, that's how the Texans have gone. That's how my luck has kind of gone this year, despite my record. Um, but I'm very frustrated. I have officially lost my fantasy league, and I will be handing the trophy and handing the reins to Johnny Hudson who, oh man, I am not, I am not thrilled about, I'm not thrilled about this in any way. This is, oh man, I, I loved our trophy. I loved it. I loved having it. This is going to be very tough for me. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of people that are close to me are going to be very excited that I have to make this announcement. They hate me. They hate my team, and uh, they are definitely ready for a new era of champion in the fantasy league. So. Oh, man, that is the bad news that we're just getting out of the way today. I have lost. I have lost. Um, anyway, so our season's over, uh, so we're not going to be getting into a lot of fantasy for for the time being. Uh, I don't, I haven't, I'm not in a fantasy basketball league this year, so I'm not going to be really paying much attention to fantasy basketball. Um, if something does come up or there is like an analysis of a player that I feel is, you know, worthy of knowing, I'll obviously address it. But some of this stuff can be done just with the general NBA news and the NFL news. Um, so despite the uh, the NBA starting, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of cool takeaways that we can get get to already. Um, but I am still going to start with the NFL just because that's, that's where the order is going. And also the playoffs are very much uh, underway here. Um, and the, the big one that... Now, this was the game, so uh, Johnny, who I played in the finals, was starting the Steelers' defense against the Bengals, which obviously everyone would think that that would be a slam dunk. Best defense in the NFL, playing probably one of the worst offenses, uh, and then without their starting quarterback. So, arguably the worst offense in football. 
And uh, there was actually a moment in that in that Monday night game where I was I had a little bit of hope because Big Ben was playing so terribly. Um, and the Bengals ended up scoring 20-plus points. They scored like 27 points in that game. And if there was one more big play, uh, I guess I think I, I possibly could have won that game at maybe tied or something like that. Um, but it was just weird. It was weird to be in that situation where the Pittsburgh Steelers were actually going to lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, something is going on with that Steelers team that doesn't doesn't feel right. This is now the third game that they've lost. And even in the win, the couple wins that they've had before that, Mike Tomlin's been vocal about how they have not played well. Um, some of that's on the receivers. I know some of the some of them have been dropping passes. They have, I think, they have far and away the most drops in the NFL. Um, also, Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on opponents' logos certainly doesn't help matters. I don't. I, I, they they read a report that said he's going to stop that, which is probably the right move. Uh, can never hurt. You know, I I think Tomlin was right when he said that it doesn't. You know that's not the primary motivation for these players, but if you can curb that a little bit and you know not give them the extra motivation, I don't see the harm in that. So thank God that that's that's being done there. I think the other shocking thing was how bad uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger was playing. I mean that he he really for the first time this year looked like he was way past it, and he I mean. It was just really, really weird to see against a defense that isn't particularly great. Um, so I don't know what what to make of, of Big Ben just absolute, being absolutely horrific in that game. Um, but he just wasn't he wasn't himself. He he was he was rushing his throws, uh, missing people, not seeing very very basic zone coverages. I remember. Um, Mackenzie Alexander had an easy, easy pick that was basically thrown right to him when he was just lurking in, in one of his zones, and Ben just completely missed him, and he, he took it, and and then he, and then I remember this, you know, vividly just because um, Alexander did that like hop step celebration to the sideline, which started the fight and whatnot. But Big Ben's gonna need to play a whole lot better, a whole lot better. Um, I think their receivers actually did pretty well in that game specifically. Uh, they also didn't have James Conner, which which does hurt the Steelers if they can't establish the ground game. So, uh, very weird. Big Ben put them in a lot of tough spots because he also turned the ball over like in like bad spots in the field, like within the their own thirty a lot of the time. So the Bengals were just given opportunities in the red zone and then were able to convert. Um, so. Very weird, very weird thing with the Steelers losing that game to the Bengals. I think everyone was shocked there. The spread in that game was like 14. Like, the Steelers were supposed to win that game, but they had more than two touchdowns, and they couldn't even find a way to win at the end. They needed Ben to make it one drive. Like, you can can salvage these performances. Drew Brees did it. I I was going to talk about this later today. Uh, Drew Brees came back from an injury, which is an excuse that Big Ben doesn't have. Um, played played pretty pretty poorly early on, and then toward the end started to really pick it up and really get back in the game. And he salvaged his performance. Big Ben had an opportunity to do that and failed. So if that's going to be the consistent thing for the Steelers, they're they're going to be in some trouble. And and remember that division is not won. The Cleveland Browns are right behind them. I think their Browns are ten and four. Um, 
So I I really expect a real run, and my bold prediction is that the Steelers lose. I mean, the Steelers have another tough game, another tough game against the Colts, who are ten and four, and they are gunning for the Steelers. That's going to be a tough one. I don't know if the Steelers, if they keep playing like this, are going to be able to win because that that Colts defense is is really really good themselves. So the Steelers have a tough road ahead. They very well could lose this division. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but the way it's been going, if Big Ben does not pick it up and some of these receivers start running sharper routes and James Conner, if James Conner can't stay healthy, that's that's been an issue for the Steelers for a long time. That James Conner's been hurt like for the last three years. And it's really hurt that team. And we're, we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. But very, very weird game. Uh, very weird to see Ben Roethlisberger being that bad. I mean, we're not used to we're not used to Ben Roethlisberger being amazing, but we're also not used to Ben Roethlisberger being absolutely horrible, and that's kind of what we saw there. Um, so that's kind of what I. There was just a general feeling of unease that I had watching that game. It was just kind of gross to see that, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean that poor Steelers defense. They were put in so many holes by their quarterback that I, I did I did feel bad for them, uh, but let, anyway let's hope, let's hope the Steelers can turn it around because I, I I want them to be a competitive team. I mean it's Mike Tomlin, you gotta love the Steelers grit and physicality, but that it, it hasn't been there. That physicality hasn't been there, and neither have the wins in the past couple weeks here. So we'll we'll tune in, but we'll see what happens. Um. Uh, the other big NFL news is that the New England Patriots, my New England Patriots, have been eliminated from playoff contention. So, um, this is the first time, I think, since 2000 where this is going to be happening, where the Patriots are not going to have a winning season and not going to make the playoffs. Um, so, this tells you a lot of things. One, is that the Patriots need to get a tight end. That's right. I said tight end, not a wide receiver. Um, because I think... Some of these guys, I, I've been watching Bird and um, and some Myers and some of these replacement guys. They're not bad. I mean, they've been getting some separation and, uh, but the the problem is that the middle of the field is not like they they have no one in the middle of the field to throw to. So I would put a tight end higher on the list of needs for the New England Patriots than I would wide receivers. Uh, they also need to get a new quarterback. I mean, this is pretty obvious. Cam Newton is the, the the Patriots have just been so so one dimensional, and it's so easy to guard them that it's insane. I mean, Cam Newton runs the ball ten to fifteen times a game. Uh, Sony Michelle or Damian Harris is going to run the ball ten to fifteen times a game, and it just it's just it's so predictable. And and the Rams you saw it in the Rams game where the Rams just absolutely lit them up, and. You know, they put up what did they put up? Twelve points against the Dolphins. Like the, it's not hard to to defend the Patriots. Just stop the run, dare Cam to throw the ball downfield, and nothing happens. Because I mean, you just watch it. Like the, the Cam Newton threw a screen pass, and it was taken. It was a pick six on a screen pass. So I I actually don't even know if the guy scored a touchdown on that. But it, I, if we can't. If we can't even throw an incompletion on a screen pass that's designed to be easy for the quarterback, I think it's time to move on. I, I, like, I don't know what else there is. I mean, you can see Josh McDaniels putting in these like garbage plays 
with these little slants and these little crossing routes. So Cam doesn't have to throw more than five yards. And I would love for a more more balance, but I think it shows you where the, where the coaching staff is on Cam Newton. They really do not trust the guy to throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield. Uh, so if that's the case, you're going to need to do something. And I don't know if Belichick's going to keep him. I mean, I personally, I think it should be Jarrett Stidham starting these next two games. I think you got to pull the plug now. Uh, there, I think there was a poll that, that showed that 86%. At the first time they did the poll, it was 86%. second time, it was 80%. So most of the New England fans feel this way. And I think if Cam Newton starts, you're, it's, it's going to be a very, very interesting dilemma to see if Cam Newton starts the rest of the year, even knowing that we have no shot. Uh, because Jared Stidham hasn't been great either, but he at least can throw a little better, which is really what we need. I mean, we, we don't have we don't have the receiver talent to for for someone to just make the right read. Like we got to we got to find a guy that can throw a, someone open, which has just not been it's not Cam Newton, it's never been Cam Newton. Um he had some exciting years in Carolina, but he's never been you know, he he would throw it up to Kelvin Benjamin and let him make a play. We don't have the receiving talent for that. So we need a quarterback that can throw some people open, and I think that that's way more Stidham's realm than it is Cam Newton's realm. So maybe Cam Newton finds another job elsewhere. If they hold on to him, it's the dumbest decision in the world. I mean, we've tried it. We know it doesn't work. <laughs> then you know that Bill Belichick's just trying to – maybe he's just trying to show everybody that he can win with this guy, or maybe it's his ego or something like that. Um, but again, if if we can either – if we can get a tight end on this team – Edelman comes back healthy, and we have some of the defensive guys return for next year. I mean, the, the Patriots are in a tough spot because I don't even think they know what they want to do. I, I, I'm I'm painting a picture here that would imply that the Patriots are going to still try to be competitive. I just can't see a Bill Belichick world where he's not trying to make the playoffs. So that's why I'm saying that. But there are, there is a slew of people, a slew of fans that think that they should just tank and try to get a really top tier prospect at QB and 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 lose games. I just, but my issue with that is that's not, that's never going to be Bill Belichick's thing. He's going to try to win games, even if he has the worst roster. And, and part of me is like, you know what, with this team, if they go seven and nine, eight and eight, that's a, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. You know, put some pieces around him, like real pieces. And then we'll, we'll assess the situation. But I think the Patriots should win now, but it's to damn shame. Pats are gone. They are no longer in the playoffs this year. And it seems like the honeymoon is over. Um, as one of the former defensive players said, I forget his name. The honeymoon is over. So Patriots fans, we're going to have to wait. Uh, I know that we haven't had a lot of winning. You know, we haven't had a lot of success. So it's, it's really tough to... Um, to stomach this, you know, uh, we've we've had so much bad luck in the past, you know, losing some Super Bowls and 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 sometimes losing in the AFC Championships games, but <laughs> but hey, everyone everyone's been in this boat where uh, their team isn't making the playoffs. About time ours is too. I'm being sarcastic about all that, of course. Um, the other interesting, uh, another interesting thing that I took away from the past NFL week was this kind of Drew Brees uh, slashing, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, uh, Drew Brees did not play well in the beginning of this game against the Chiefs, 
but I thought he kicked it in the gear pretty well. I mean, for God's sakes, the guy's been out over a month with massive rib injuries. Um, and he, 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 he made some bad throws. He made some bad reads early on, and people were like, yeah, I think Drew Brees is past it. He's not going to be able to do it. And then he came back and almost beat the Chiefs. I mean, this game was 32-29. to 29. I mean, it was not by any means a blowout game. And this is against probably far and away the best team in the NFL who are the Super Bowl favorites for a second straight year. So I didn't understand that. I mean, give the guy some reps, please, to get back and get acclimated into the football uh, realm here. Uh, but for those people that were that were jumping on the Drew Brees train or jumping off the Drew Brees train, hold up. I mean, that that's way too much of an overreaction to bail on the Drew Brees. Now, I do think that as a whole, the Saints team have kind of uh, they've missed their their window a little bit. I think that window is getting very, very, very small, and um, it's it's kind of now or never for the Saints. I think, but Drew Brees has done way too much in the NFL for me to ever see a bad half of football and say, "Oh, he's too old. He's past it." So. I was happy that Drew Brees was able to turn around. I was happy that the Saints were able to rebound as a team. And an amazing game for Alvin Kamara. Oh, my God. With six touchdowns. I mean, he could have gotten the record with that if they had just given the other uh, the touchdown to Taysom Hill to Alvin Kamara. But Sean Payton loves him some Taysom Hill. Um, the other big thing was uh, all the Jets fans were outraged about the Jets, Jets beating the Rams. Uh, okay, here's my take here. I think it's important that they were actually able to win a game because the Rams' defense is no joke. They have some serious talent. I mean, we know who they have. They have Jalen. They're one of the best corners, one of the best young corners, and one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. Um, they're also pretty well coached. They were. They're a nine and five team. You know, they were. They were. I, I can't believe that this is the team that lost to the Jets. I cannot believe it. But um, it was important for the Jets because. It, it tells the people, it, it tells the personnel there, well, first of all, get Frank Gore's win, which is good, but, it, but the main thing is that it tells the personnel there that it's possible, right? It puts them, it like, we're no longer having the conversation of, well, this team could lose to some really good college teams, right? Um, and, and by doing that, you're helping the value. Like, if you go, if you go for a Trevor Lawrence, um, n- now I think... Winning this, I mean, maybe one game isn't enough, but there was there was reports that Trevor Lawrence didn't want to go to the Jets because of the situation was that bad. This this win kind of maybe is your counter argument to that, and you say, look what we were able to do. Imagine you know against against the nine and five Rams team when we were when we were fully engaged and 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 firing on all cylinders as the Jets were, um, which is obviously a weak argument, but. Uh, it, it at least it at least shows some of these prospects that they're not so far behind that they shouldn't even come play there because it's not even going to make a difference. That's why I think it's good. Also, they're tied with the Jaguars. They're not. Uh, they're not. It's not like they went from. It's not like the Jaguars had zero wins too. It now they're tied, so they still could get it. So. I don't know. I, I, I see why I see why Jets fans are upset because instead of a guarantee now, you have um, 
you, you now have some doubt, and that pick could go to the Jaguars. But I, I, the reason I think it's not a big deal is because I think that there was some doubt even if you guys had the solidified number one pick. And it at least shows you that there's some pieces on that team that you could theoretically win with when you're firing on all cylinders. And I think it's an important message, actually, uh, to send. Um, so, Jets fans, relax. You're going to be all right. <laughs> I, I think it's I do think it's hilarious that <laughs> that there is a slew of people that is actively rooting against the Jets as Jets fans, but I totally get it. I mean, I get the I get the argument completely. Um, in other news, Jalen Hurts is playing really well. I mean, I I've been watching a lot of these moments in these games, and he is he is the real deal. I mean, he's way more mobile than Carson Wentz. He's more accurate than Carson Wentz. Uh. So I guess that's it. I mean, <laughs> I would give the job to Jalen Hurts at this point. I mean, the only thing is the money, right? The, they paid Carson Wentz way, way, way too much money, and now they're roped into this. But what I don't understand is why Carson Wentz is, is pouting about this. Uh, Carson Wentz is like, I, I don't even know. Like, how do you complain? You, you're four and nine in one of the weakest, the, the weakest conferences, the least competitive conferences. In all of the NFL. And you were last place. You were last place. Then Jalen Hurts comes in. Beats one of the best NFL teams in the league. And puts up a really competitive fight against another good NFL team. And and then you're making headlines saying that you have no interest in being a backup. Well then play like a starter, right? Like what? what is that? You have no interest in being a backup. Well, obviously, in every in everyone's perfect world, they're the starting star. But it, I I just thought this hurt Carson once a lot because it showed him that maybe he's not even a team guy. You know, uh, I mean, it was bad enough that that he's taking their money and and they have to roll out another quarterback because he's so bad. But I never understood Carson in the first place. I mean, he got hurt, so he's playing with fear, but. He, he would rely on his mobility and his speed when those were not his strong suits. And the guy had various weapons. I mean, Miles Sanders is a really good running back. He has two quality tight ends. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, really good receivers. Jalen Rager's not bad. You know, um, uh, Sean Jackson got hurt. I'm trying to think. Alshon Jeffrey is now back. So I guess Alshon didn't play with Carson, but... He he had the tools to be better than four and nine. That is absolutely true. Um, for him to be last place in this division and piggybacking off of a win from Jalen Hurts is that's nothing to be proud of. You should not be opening your mouth at all the way you've been playing. That's my take. I've been I've been way off on Carson Wentz. Like he he is the weirdest quarterback for me to assess because he's. He's great against some good defense. He was great against some good defenses this year. He was horrendous early on. And I remember saying that he was the worst quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and then I, I kind of curbed that statement later um, after seeing a couple performances against some good defense. And then it's like he's almost similar to Matthew Stafford in the sense that he plays down to his opponents. So, or he plays to his opponents. So when he's playing someone bad, he gets worse. And then when he plays someone good, he raises his game. But the problem is that the team he raises his game to is they're really, really good. So he can't get over the top and win. 
So it makes sense to me that this team wants a change. I mean, Jalen Hurts has looked very good. Very, very good. The team likes him. There's life. They're really scoring. And and that second game, it wasn't on the offense. They lost 33-26 to or something like that. That is not on the offense by any means. I mean, come on with this I want Carson stuff. I, I, don't, I don't think Philly's saying that, but Carson Wentz is saying that, which is making him very, very disliked in the state of Philadelphia, I can imagine. Um, and then, of course, uh, as the usual NFL week uh, unwinds, the Texans and the Falcons find heartbreaking ways to lose these games. I don't understand what's, what is in the Falcons' DNA where they continue to get big leads and then blow them. I don't understand what it is. I don't think anyone does. I think there's some mental block there that they really have to work on with some serious coaching um, and try to install a, a winner, you know, some type of winner mentality with that team. But it is a uh, it is very painful to see them with with a good amount of talent. I mean, that team does have pieces. I mean. Their defense isn't playing great, but they still have a premier safety, Keanu Neal, and a premier defensive tackle, Grady Jarrett on the inside. Um, it, it's just then they also they have receivers, right? Like they have a decent qu- quarterback. Uh, their line struggled a little bit, but it, it's the Pro Bowl kicker. It's not. It's they're not bad enough to where they shouldn't be able to win some of these games and hold off and hold on. Um, so there needs to be some serious coaching changes there in Atlanta. Um, and, and then the Texans, again, to the Colts in this epic. I mean, the last time they played him, they they were trying to tie or win the game, and Deshaun Watson, or the center, fumbled the snap, and they lost there. And now here, Kiki Cutie on the one-yard line. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Just, just score the football. I, I'm particularly hurt on that because that literally costed me everything in fantasy football. Because if Deshaun Watson had that touchdown added to his resume, there it would have been a way different story for the rest of that uh, that that game. But uh, very very costly mistake. The Texans. This is I think this is the third way the Texans have lost in dramatic fashion. Um, so I think the Texans at this point are just waiting for next year and just trying to start fresh. Get some more pieces. Um, and Larry Tunsil needs to rein back the holding penalties. He's been a great tackle, great left tackle for them, but he and he's made the Pro Bowl, but he he really does commit a lot of penalties. Um, and it's starting to hurt them. So as a leader, and as like if you're if you're gonna be in that top echelon of linemen, you're gonna have to curb that at some point. Um, and, and they're gonna have to address the right side of that line because the amount of times that I see Deshaun Watson moving up in the pocket. Then rolling out, making acrobatic plays, spinning out of a tackle, moving out outside right, and then firing and finding you know some of these receivers for the, some of these plays. <laughs> it's been amazing. Um, but yeah, that that man needs some help in Houston, and I hope they get it to him. David Johnson did look did look pretty good in this game. He was running pretty well. It was catching passes, running the ball well. I mean, it did a lot for them. I mean, the, the Texans team that we saw. Uh, yeah, uh, last Sunday was a very different team than the, the Sunday way before, where they did not look good at all. Um, they they also need to establish some sort of run game, and this is true for both the Falcons and the Texans. 
they have to establish the ground game because it's so they're also so one dimensional. I mean, Duke Johnson should just be cut in, or unless he's unless he's catching passes because he cannot run downhill, cannot do it. And the 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 men up front have not been creating tons of holes for these running backs. So that's something that they, that they both the Texans and Falcons need. I'm I'm speaking through the lens of the Texans here, um, but linemen, linemen, linemen. Uh, you know that the Falcons are going to be able to throw the ball. I mean, they also, both these teams need to work on red zone efficiency too. The Falcons were particularly bad this year. This is why young young Wake, who had such a good season, is because um, they, they were so bad at converting when they got on the opponent's side of the ball, on the opponent's side of the field. So they, they're going to have to try to get a little creative when it comes to getting in the red zone too uh, with the coaching staff. Um, but yeah, very sad to see a lot of the talent on those teams go to waste. Um, I was kind of see. I was kind of sad to see the the Panthers decline like they have. Um, but hey, it's it's tough to win in the NFL, and uh, I I don't think that's going to change that notion that the NFL is hard to play. Um, it takes a lot of moving pieces, a lot of planning and and preparation and things like that to win. So sad there. But a lot of interesting headlines in the past week. Um, and Tom Brady, as we speak, is destroying the Detroit Lions, just absolutely obliterating them. I, I, I stopped watching when they were up 34 nothing. So uh, he's, he's mad about his Pro Bowl snub. I think that was ridiculous that he didn't uh, get into the Pro Bowl. But um, other than that, I looked at those Pro Bowl rosters, and they're pretty, uh, they're pretty accurate. I didn't, have, I didn't have many problems. Some years I have some problems about what the NFL has put in. I was shocked that Thielen didn't get a spot. Uh, <laughs> I know that Justin Jefferson has more yards than him, but to factor in that Thielen hasn't he, – he missed a game. Thielen has like 900 yards. Jefferson has 1,200, and I get it that Justin Jefferson's young. He's a rookie, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But Adam Thielen had, and again, with with one fewer game than Justin Jefferson, just Adam Thielen has 14 touchdowns. That has to lead the NFL. In fantasy, he was top three in points. Like, I, I was shocked that Thielen couldn't find a spot there. Um, I don't know if they're coming out with reserves or whatnot. I hope they do, but... That was one thing that shocked me that they went with Jefferson over Thielen because I, I also think that part of the reason Jefferson did so well is because... The defenses are drawn to Thielen so much, and they and, and Thielen occupies the number one corner, and he gets the shade over the over the with the safety over the top, and Thielen ha- and Jefferson has all these openings. So I thought that was a little unfair to Thielen. Uh, again, I'm biased. I had Adam Thielen. I named my team after him, but he did me a lot of good this year, and he's also done the Vikings a lot of good. And I was kind of shocked to see him not make that team. Uh, but that'll pretty much do it for the NFL. Uh, I'll get to my picks, obviously, later uh, in the show, but I like my picks this week. Uh, I also uh, I went 2-0. I'll, I'll get to the picks later, but I am up over 50% now, around 53% for the betting for the year. So I've profited, but not by much. <laughs> um, so as for the NBA, uh, J- this James Harden stuff is still going on. Of him just, I mean, he's just looking like an idiot at this point. I, like... There's not much the Rockets... It's not like the Rockets have a great deal in place and they're not going through with the deal because they're sticking it to James Harden. That's not what's happening. They're trying to find a deal. 
for James Harden. And he is making it actively harder to shop him because now he's being perceived as a locker room threat, right? So he's hurting his own value. If he really wants to get out of Houston, he should keep his mouth shut, play, put on a normal face and go to work, right? Like the rest of, like the, rest of the league. But of course, James Harden can't do that. He has to go violate COVID protocols and meet with strippers and get caught doing it and all this stuff. And um, and it's just like, I, I just I just don't understand. I, I really don't understand. There's not much the Rockets can do. This isn't going to change the Rockets' mind. Like the Rockets are not, are not all of a sudden going to be like, oh my God, he went to a strip club. We got to move him now. We got to move him for next to nothing. That's just not going to happen. They'd rather just have you serve your full two years and then let you walk because you're not going to get anything that's going to be good right now. So James Harden's, uh, he's kind of kicking himself here with this, you know, irresponsible actions. Uh, I don't understand the logic, but this is this is not the first time James Harden has done this in this offseason. So we'll see if they can get a trade for him. Uh, a lot of the GMs around the league are, are saying don't, uh, don't rethink it, like, don't overthink it, it's James Harden, blah, blah, blah. But also, I remember seeing a report that the Celtics were interested in trading for him. I was reading a Celtic blog, and they were warned about the dangers of going for James Harden. So, very interesting there. Um, speaking of divas, we have a lot of diva stuff here. Uh, Quiet Leonard, who have, we've called a diva before, uh, got hurt today. And and I think this is, this is it's kind of reaffirming my my claim. I, here's my prediction. I think the Clippers will do very well. The reason I think that the Clippers will do very well is because Paul George is still an all NBA player in this league. And yes, he did not have a good postseason. Yes, he has failed to have a couple of good postseasons. One that doesn't affect you in the regular season. If there's any player that can keep you afloat for this amount of time, it's Paul George. Because we know we can count on them in the regular season. Uh, second, I was ne- like, you, you should never have bailed on him in the first place. I mean, th- there were tons of extenuating circumstances that were going on in the bubble with uh, the social unrest that the players were feeling and, and the, um, you know, being in, being away from everybody, not being attached, completely disconnected from the, from the world that you lived in before, going down to this weird court that you've never played in before, being stuck there. Um, meanwhile, a, a virus runs rampant in the world outside of you. That is not a normal. That's not a normal uh, assessment of any player's abilities in the postseason. So do not jump ship. Not to mention that you put a boatload, an absolute boatload of assets into getting him. So <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't understand the people that were trying to shop Paul George. They still were trying to shop him. Um, I, I mean, if you can get a, a pristine talent, maybe. But Paul George, he's. I get the knocks on him, like the whole, he's he said everywhere, like in Indiana, he was like, Indiana is the place I want to be. Oklahoma City said, Oklahoma is the place I want to be. And then he asked for a trade. I get all this. This all makes sense to me, but it could be worse. Like he's not a locker room issue. He's not a personality issue. Um, and he's, he's not crazy injury prone either, which is, he had that horrible leg injury. But other than that, he's been out there for a good amount of this. And notice how the Clippers are 2-0. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm all in on the Paul George train. I think that the Clippers are going to be fine without Kawhi Leonard. I think sometimes the Clippers like playing more without Kawhi Leonard because I think they get annoyed with him. And we've talked about that too, about how the players have grown a dislike, the special treatment he gets, 
with the load management and resting for stuff that's not even injuries. I mean, obviously now this is this is rest that you should be taking when you have eight stitches in your face and whatnot. Um, take your time off, but I, I think the Clippers are going to be fine in his absence, and I think people are making a little bit too big a deal of this. Um, another shocking takeaway uh, happened to my Celtics last night where the Brooklyn Nets absolutely ran them over, like 30 points. Kyrie went off. Um, man, I would have loved for the fans to be there to boo him, but I'm as, I'm also happy that they weren't there to see that game because that was pretty rough. Uh, that Nets team is looking unbelievably good. Like they have talent, talent, talent. KD looks very good. He's got the shooting. He's got the movement. It seems nothing's nothing's wrong or off about KD, Kevin Durant's game, which. Uh, it's very encouraging sign if you're a Steve Nash or a Nets fan. Uh, same same to be said with Kyrie Irving. Those guys are still stars, still elite-level stars, superstars. They, right now, I would say, are my favorite, to honest, as, as painful as this is to say me, they're, they're my favorite to win the NBA Finals right now. Uh, I, think, I think LeBron and the Lakers and Kawhi and the Clippers are going to have something to say about that. But, I mean... You just go through their team. I mean, they don't even have Karis LeVert making it in the starting lineup. Jared Allen played better than DeAndre Jordan last night, so they just left him in. Like, Karis LeVert was just going off with the second unit. They weren't missing shots. They really weren't. They have sharpshooters everywhere. Uh, they have still have Spencer Dinwiddie for depth that they, that can, they can throw in starting lineups when they want them, that they can take out when they want them. And they can do that with Karis LeVert too. They have a lot of flexibility. They can space the floor well. They have some big players. Um, and the Celtics were just not a match for that last night. The Celtics had a massively exciting game with Giannis. Um, with Tatum hitting that bang three over Giannis. You better believe I was loving that. Uh, so, uh, but a bit, a bit of a turn here. I, I think the Nets are the real, real deal. And that team... Is very very scary. Now the one thing I will say about the Nets is that we never really questioned their talent. We questioned if Kevin Durant could come back the same after his his injury. Uh, we people that were doubting that I think are wrong. I think it's safe to say that that's wrong at this point, considering how much the guy's been scoring and especially as he gets back and used to the season, what he's going to be able to do. Um, granted, he could get re-injured, but that that's my take on that right now. The issue with this team is the personalities, and that's the interesting thing, is that this team could implode. Uh, We know that Kyrie Irving has turned locker rooms against people before. We know that Kevin Durant's a slime. Now, the the argument for it is that these two could combine, and they could, it's slime meets slime, and then it's a perfect fit. And then they get along great, and then the other, the players around them get along great because of it, and they move on, and they win all kinds of games, and then they're happy, happy, happy to the end. But there's also a very real possibility here that at some point in the season, Kevin Durant doesn't like the shots. Kyrie Irving doesn't like doesn't like that he's not getting the shots. Uh, you know, other guys like DeAndre Jordan doesn't like that he's not playing toward the end of games if, he, if that gets old. Um, th- there's, there's some drama that could definitely go on here in Brooklyn. And... The issue, the question with this team has not been the talent, but it has been the personalities. Can the personalities mesh? I think Steve Nash is probably is is that's why he was brought in. I think so he can try to curb this a little bit. Um, 
And I think that's also why Ty Lue was brought into the Clippers for the same exact reason, to try to keep players happy, essentially, and just answer all of Kyrie's government questions and play along and try to create a system that gets them their shots but also includes the other team, which is hard to do. Um, But very interesting to see how good the Nets were. Very, very intimidating team going forward. Uh, And the the other fascinating thing was the... Mavs and the Warriors, who are struggling all of a sudden. Now, the Mavs don't have Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and the Warriors don't have Clay Thompson, so they're both missing pieces. Um, the Mavs, I give a little bit of a pass to just because uh, they, they've had a really tough... They had to play LeBron, and they, they just have had really, really tough uh, tough luck, tough teams. Luka didn't shoot well in the first game. We know that that's going to change. I mean, the guy's insane. Um, but the Warriors is what was very interesting to me because the Warriors, if I'm looking correctly, got blown out. So let me just look up the score of this game. Um, and they, I know they dropped to 0-2. So, yeah, they lost to the Bucks 138-99 to and then got blown out by the Nets 125-99. to Now, I've talked about how good the Nets are, but this is not encouraging if you are the Warriors. Um, Kelly Oubre getting you six points, six points. It, there's a very interesting conversation that has to, that has to happen with Kelly Oubre because he was really good on the Suns and they basically shopped him for nothing. And same with the Thunder. I, I thought as soon as the Thunder brought him in that he would, that he would stay with the Thunder because he's young and he has a lot of potential and did, and got like 19 points a game in his last season with the Suns. But then the Sun, uh, with, yeah, with the Suns, but then the Thunder just shopped him. And they just sent him over to the Warriors for like a, a late first too. So I, I was confused as to why players were out on Kelly Oubre. So he's a guy that you want to watch. But it makes you think that maybe this Warriors team, maybe Clay Thompson, you know, like we, we know that Steph Curry is, is unbelievable, but maybe Clay Thompson is just as essential as, as Steph Curry. Um, and we'll see how it unfolds, but it's a very interesting thought to to inter- entertain for a minute. Um, and as for the Mavs, I think once they get Porzingis back, they're going to turn it around. I think both these teams will turn it around, but it's very interesting to see them struggle early on. Um, and I'm going to keep this to 45 minutes, give or take, but uh, let me do my picks of the week really quickly. Um, so this week... Uh, so again, I went two. I went two and zero in my in my bets this week. I pushed on the Panthers game. I took Panthers plus eight, um, and they lost by eight against I think it was the Packers. Um, and then I took the Browns minus six and a half, who won handedly in that game, which was I was very proud of. Um, I forget the other game I won. I won another one too, which put me up a good amount of money. Um, this week I have some good ones too. Texans. Uh, Minus seven versus the Bengals is the first one I like. I like the Texans in this. I think the Bengals, remember, the Bengals got incredibly lucky with Big Ben's horrid performance. Horrid performance. Um, and and they were still kind of barely able to win that game. I think they're getting very, very overrated because of this. That quarterback cannot, they went with like, uh, they went with their third stringer. I think it was Finley is his name. Could not really throw the ball. He had a dump-off pass to Giovanni Bernard, which was, I mean, it it snuck in there, and then 
he, he was luckily able to score, but again, it was a short pass. The guy did not do well throwing downfield. He was like one for four on open deep men, which is not good. Uh, now they're going to be facing a real quarterback who's playing free. He's got nothing to lose now. I can see this being a Texans blowout. against, And the Texans have put up really good performances against the Colts and some good teams here and have just gotten really unlucky at the end. And now they're going to play a Bengals team. Like, I, I really like the Texans in this game. I, I can easily see them winning by a touchdown or more. Um, Panthers I like over the Washington football team. I just think the Panthers have more pieces. Like, I know that the, the football team's done well with Alex Smith. <clears throat> but, I, like, Teddy Bridgewater, If let's say Alex Smith and Teddy Bridgewater are even in terms of talent. Um. I just like their receivers. They have Terry McLaurin, and that's kind of it. The The Panthers have a slew of options. The Panthers have DJ Moore. They have Robbie Anderson. They have Curtis Samuel. They have all these weapons that they can throw to, not to mention that Christian McCaffrey is going to be back in this game, I think. So that's a huge swing, too. Um, that secondary, I don't know if they're going to, they're not going to be able to cover the pass, and the Redskins secondary has not been able to cover that very, very well. Um, and as for like the other side of the ball, uh, the Panthers have been very good against the pass, and the Washington Redskins have never been able to establish a really good run game in in Antonio Gibson's absence. So, I, I just I like the Panthers as a team, and I, I think they're going to win this game. This is basically a, a straight up pick your winner bet, uh, but I like the Panthers here. And then Giants, I'm taking the Giants plus ten against the Ravens. I, I think the Ravens are going to win this game. They have a lot to play for, but I think people also forget that the Giants actually have a lot to play for too. And the Giants have surprised some people with how well they've played and how and how they were able to beat some of these good teams like the Seahawks, you know. Um, I think they're well suited for the Ravens because I just don't think it's going to be it's not going to be a high scoring game. Uh, they're going to get the, the the Giants know how to attack them, get to Lamar Jackson in the pocket. Easier said than done, obviously. Um, but I think the Giants are going to be ready for this one. And I again, I think the Ravens win. I even think the Ravens could win by six, seven, eight points, something like that. But I don't know here. I, I kind of like this 10. I, I, I think that's a lot of points against a scrappy Giants team that's probably going to get their starting quarterback back this week. I like the Giants in that pick. I'm going to stick with the big blue there. Um, uh, anyway, that's those are my three picks for the week. I'll keep you guys updated on how I do. I might do a podcast next week. I might not. We'll see. Uh, you know I'm going to get one at least to you in two weeks. Um, but until next time, that's going to do it for me today. I've kept it to a little, just, just over 45 minutes. Um, but that's going to do it for me. I'm your host, Andrew FS signing off. See you guys next time.